Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we are grateful for You. We are grateful to You for being our protector. For being everything to us. We are grateful, Lord. We should be thankful every day. Lord, may praise and thanksgiving be on our lips. May we be people who embrace You moment by moment. Thank You, Lord, that You are our shield. You are our hedge of protection. You guide us. Lord, we are grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Verses 25 through 35. Luke chapter 14:25. Please follow along as I read. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he was able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, give up everything he has, cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The cost of being a disciple. What exactly will it cost me? Following Christ. Being one of His disciples. What does that require of me? Really, there's, there's just one simple answer, one word that answers both of those questions. What will it cost me? The answer is everything. What will be required of me? The answer is everything. The cost of being a disciple. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I 
surrender all. Jesus said in verse 33, Any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. The cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Everything. All out. Never looking back. I have decided to follow Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender and much, much more. This relationship with God that we we talk about week after week after week, it works best, or should I say it only works, brothers and sisters, when we give God everything. Hold nothing back. Make no decisions on our own without first checking with Him. It works when you and I give God everything. I surrender all. The words that that I read this morning of Luke chapter 14 were the words of Jesus. This is Jesus talking. Jesus telling us in graphic detail what it means to follow Him. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Large crowds were following Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went those days, He drew large crowds. It's kind of like a Sarah Palin Palin book signing event. Everywhere He went, there were thousands of people. People were trying to figure Him out. Who is this man? What does He believe? What does this rabbi, this teacher expect of those that choose to follow Him? So Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, turned to them and took another crack at explaining or getting the good news out. Do you want to know what it costs to follow me, he said? It costs everything. (laughs) Any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. I submit to you that the most stressful, frustrating life that a person on this earth can choose to live is a Christian life that's only half committed. Because it simply doesn't work. It was not designed to be that way. Any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. Right after he uttered those words, if you listen close, you could hear a collective gasp from the large crowd. Did he say everything? He couldn't have meant everything. Yes, he said everything. Wow! Gasp! This rabbi is tough. This rabbi expects a lot. A lot? This rabbi expects everything from you and me. And here in this passage of Scripture, with the large crowds following Jesus, is one place where many in the crowd began to count the cost 
and throw in the towel. For many of them and us, the cost was simply too much. In this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 14, Jesus expands a little bit on what he meant when he said everything. He gives basically three examples to help us and help the crowd that day to better understand what Jesus meant when he said, if any of you want to follow me, want to be my disciple, you must give up everything. He starts in verse 26 saying this, Disciples must give up, now stick with me here, Disciples must give up their relationships. Or or maybe another way to say it, perhaps a better way to say it, is disciples, those that choose to follow Christ, must reprioritize their relationships. Look at verse 26. If anyone, Jesus says, comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, there's one word in that passage that is troublesome. Hate. Is Jesus actually telling me that I should hate my wife or my daughters? See, Jesus used this word hate on purpose. He knew that it was a strong word. It was, a, it was an emotional word. Jesus used it on purpose. And in this context, hate means to love less in comparison to. You hear that? To love less in comparison to. In other words, there is no relationship that you or I have that should come even close to our relationship with Jesus. He is first. My relationship with my wife should not come between my relationship with Jesus and me. My relationship with friends should never come in competition to or in between my relationship with Jesus and me. Jesus used this word on purpose to get the point across. See, Jesus isn't telling us to hate. Because when someone came to Jesus and said, Jesus, could you sum up the Bible Could you put it in a nutshell? He said, yes, you should love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone in verse 26 that is mentioned, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, me, everybody up to me is included in that commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is not saying that we should hate. Jesus is saying that no other relationship should get in the way of our relationship with Him. We love each other, absolutely. But who we love most 
often, listen, often dictates the direction of our lives. Who we love most. And Jesus says, the way you were created, my children, my brothers and sisters, you must love me most. See, so disciples must reprioritize their relationships. Who is first in my life? Who do I love most? Jesus, period. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 says, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The focus, the trajectory of life must be to Jesus. Jesus is saying that the cost of being a disciple is to have Him first and to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There should be nothing in your life or mine that challenges His place in our lives. No relationship, no matter how close it may be. Not even our love for ourselves should get in the way. Jesus is talking about an intimate spiritual relationship that we, are, we were created to enjoy and thrive in. What needs to get into my mind and yours, my soul and yours, that the way God created us was to love God with all of our hearts. And until we get there, we are less than what God created us to be. See, Jesus knew when He said, you must hate your family, etc., etc., in order to be My disciple. Jesus knew He was talking to first century crowd that, they, that, that if they would choose Him, they would lose some of their relationships with their family and friends. Just for choosing Jesus, they would lose some of those relationships. And then they would think, at least I would, is it worth it? My family disowns me for following Christ. Is it worth it to follow Christ? My friends turn their backs on me because of Christ. Is it worth it? See, these relationships getting in the way. Jesus says, listen, I must be first. It would be a choice between Jesus and some friends. It would be the choice between Jesus and some lifestyles. The way it works what it costs is to love Jesus enough that it's worth it. See, when your relationship with Jesus is in competition with any other relationship, the other relationship always wins. Why? Because we weren't made that way. We were made that only Christ in first place is what works in your life and mine, if we're going to be, spiritually speaking, hitting on all cylinders. So don't get caught up with that word hate. That's not the issue. Loyalty to Christ is the issue. Loyalty to anyone or anything else than Christ constitutes idolatry. Any one of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. Give up everything. In part means reprioritizing the relationships in life. Any relationship that gets in the way 
of you and your relationship of Christ, with Christ is not worth the effort, the headaches, and the heartache. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The cost is, I surrender all. Number two, second. You must give up everything. Disciples must know their purpose. Look at verses 34 and 35. Disciples must know their purpose. Verses 34 and 35. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. The cost of being a disciple, in part, is to learn and know the purpose that we have in God's kingdom. Jesus illustrates this by using salt. See, salt has a created purpose. You know what it is. Salt has a created purpose, and when it fulfills that purpose, it is good. Salt was created to season and to preserve. And when these things happen, it is good, it is worthwhile, it is useful, it is salt fulfilling its created purpose. Seasoning. Preserving. But if salt, for some reason, loses its saltiness, its ability to season and preserve what it was created for, it is good for nothing. And is to be thrown out and discarded. You and I were created with a purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, What is the chief end of man? What is the chief purpose of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Brothers and sisters, if we followed that, it'd change everything. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised or glorified through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. A disciple following Christ must know his purpose. Or in keeping with the give up everything theme, a disciple must give up his human understanding of his purpose. This, this human pursuit of purpose. This, this purpose to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not bad, but that's not the Christian's goal in life. The purpose is to glorify God. Disciples who have Christ first have given up selfish pursuits. Selfish pursuits that end in pain and suffering and emptiness. We have a created purpose, you and I. That purpose is to glorify God in our daily lifestyle. When we are fulfilling our created purpose, it is good. When we are not, things go haywire, to say the least. And many of us could say amen. The cost of being a disciple is, I surrender all. Third, discipleship impacts our choices. Between verses 
26 and 34 and 35, Jesus uses two illustrations to encourage the crowd to be people that count the cost whenever they face anything in life. To sit down and think things through according to God's kingdom principles. I mean, who would build a tower or go to war without first giving it serious thought? To sit down and count the cost. Disciples, people that have chosen to follow Christ, are careful with what God has entrusted them with. Are you? Disciples sit down on purpose and count the cost before making any decision, any choice, no matter how big or small. Should we buy this house? Let's count the cost. Should we buy this car? Let's count the cost. Should we take this job? Let's sit down and count the cost with kingdom principles in mind. Should, we, should, should I marry this spouse? We sit down and count the cost according to kingdom principles. Should I go out to lunch today? We sit down and count the cost. You see, every decision, no matter how big or small, we, we put it through this kingdom principle thing. Every principle, every choice that we make impacts our lives. Disciples realize that every choice impacts our life. Let me give you an example. This is something that will be impacting all of us in a few short days. I glanced at an article in Time Magazine, and the article, the title of the article was, Retailers Prepare for Black Friday. Retailers prepare for Black Friday. The article went on to talk about this, the, the Christmas season and all of the, the, the buying that will go on during the Christmas season in light of high unemployment. That made me think about you and me, God's people, followers of Christ, disciples, people that have chosen to follow Christ. Christmas, they tell me, is upon us. There are people in my neighborhood that have already put their lights up. Drives me nuts. I don't even look. I'm driving. I close my eyes when I go by their house. Don't want to see it yet. I don't want to see it. Don't have anything to do with it yet. Walk into some of the stores. Playing Christmas music already. I go, called unto holiness. I don't want to hear it. Not ready for it yet. But it's upon us. Black Friday is coming up. God would be pleased. If we would all sit down with our families and count the cost. Most American families go into more debt every Christmas than they had before Christmas came. Credit cards are loaded up when Christmas comes. And it takes months, if not until next Christmas, to pay it off. Pile up debts. More stress comes into the family. Financial stress is never good for the family. We need to sit down and count the cost. These are very uncertain times. Jesus says, you know, why would a disciple do anything without first sitting down and counting the cost? I just read that our national debt is now approaching $12 trillion. That's 12 with 12 zeros after it. $12 trillion. It is estimated that by 2020, that will double. 
if we keep going the way we're going. I heard one commentator recently say that the U.S. government has four sets of books. Doesn't that bless your soul? And that this $12 trillion debt that we have is only one of those set of books. You put all four sets of books together, the, the debt is more like $100 trillion. Now, brothers and sisters, if that's even half true, if that's even close to true, we are in trouble. And you know what it does? It makes my head spin. All this probably means that in our future, there's going to be, probably, could be, might be, hyperinflation. And when that happens, it impacts all of us. In fact, the whole world will be impacted. Makes me feel so helpless. What can I do? My little place in this world. What can I do to help? Myself, what can I do? Get your family together, sit down, and count the cost. Where necessary, change your family culture. Start now with a plan. Dave Ramsey's a good place to start. There's other ways to do it. Start now and get out of your family debt. Explain to your children the situation. Sit down. Get your children. Sit down and explain to them the situation that could be. These are uncertain times. Who knows what's going to happen in our world in the next two, three, four years. Who knows? We need to prepare for it. We're going to start today. We're going to change some things. We're going to prepare for it. Talk to them about a new plan. Stop being, I'm talking to myself too, stop being consumer Christians and become kingdom principle Christians or covenant Christians. See, at Christmas, that means it is more blessed to give than to receive. Wouldn't that be great if God's people would start living like that? That it is more blessed to give than to receive? Decide as a family how much we're going to spend this year on Christmas. This is how much we can afford to spend and then stick to it. Decide as a family then what you're going to do for someone less fortunate than you, than you are. It is more blessed to give and to receive. Wouldn't it be great if we would embrace the concept of Christmas? Give. At Christmas this year, family, how can we bless someone more or a little less fortunate than we are? Take a little angel tree thing off there that, 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 that gets some clothes for, for a child that's less fortunate or help somebody with a Christmas meal or etc., etc. How can my family, how can my family do something that changes the culture of this bye, 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 bye. I was blessed the other day. Got a call from my little girl in England. She's even picking up a little of the accent. It's kind of cute. <clears throat> she says to me, hey, Dad, you know what? I haven't found a job yet. I said, yeah, I know. <clears throat> and she says... Um, Dad, what, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, Christy, here's what I want for Christmas. I want you to come home and sit on the couch with me, and I want to read you a book. That's what I want to do. That's what I want you to give me for Christmas. Remember how we used to do it? Yeah, Dad, I, I remember. 
You remember, you know, you girls would be in your jammies and you'd be after bath and your hair would be wet. You'd come and you'd sit next to me and I'd read you a book. I, yeah, I remember that, Dad. That was good. Those, those were good days. That's what I want, Christy. I want you to sit next to me and I'm going to read you a book. You don't have to take the bath that night. You don't have to get in your jammies, hair wet, all that. I'm going to read you a book. You know what she said? She said, Daddy, I'd, I would really like that. She called me Daddy. I'd really like that. You see, wouldn't it be great if all of us could embrace the concept of love and family and it's more blessed to give than to receive? Wouldn't it be great for us, our families, to take the pressure of Christmas off? As we begin to follow Jesus' example of counting the cost before making any decision. As we truly begin to live by kingdom principles, the direction of our family will change. For generations, it will change. Your family culture will change. What will it cost me? Everything. All to Jesus, I surrender. And then Jesus says at the end, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But beyond that, First James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Brothers and sisters, it's way past time that you and I get serious about following Christ. Jesus promised us abundant life here and now, and eternal life in the life to come. But it will cost us. Anything worthwhile costs something. And there is nothing more worthwhile than this relationship, eternal relationship with Christ. Today is today's family worship. A lot of children are here. Let me just talk for a minute to all the children. Listen to me now. All the children. You know, when I was your age, I used to get so excited about Christmas. You know, about Thanksgiving, the Sears catalog would show up. That doesn't happen anymore. Do you remember that? The Sears catalog. And my sister and I, we would sit, we'd take turns, we would sit with a blank piece of paper and a pencil, and we would look through and we would write the list. Oh, I want one of those, and want one of those, and want one of those, and all that. And if my mom didn't get it, I'd tear the page out, circle it, and tape it to her door. Uh-oh. Want one of those. I can't ever remember not having a great Christmas. I didn't get everything I wanted. But I can't ever remember not having a great Christmas. But these are different times. There is going to be things happen in this world probably that we have never seen before. And it's time to start getting ready for it. And so, young brothers and sisters, look at your list again. And, and, you know, if you'll let me be so bold as to say, choose one thing. I just want one thing. Moms and dads, sit your children down and say, we're going to change some things around here. We're going to be kingdom people, covenant people, not consumer Christians. I know I'm walking on thin ice. What will it cost me 
to be a follower of Christ. It will simply cost me everything. Reprioritizing relationships. Changing the purpose of my life. Sitting down and counting the cost when, I'm, when I am facing any decision. Including Christmas. What will it cost me? Everything. And it's eternally worth it. Will you sing this with me? 